Koinonia, Christian fellowship, communion with God and with fellow Christians. Koinonia, an association of people who share common beliefs and activities. This is Koinonia. This is Community. And now, your host, Tom Brown. One of the most exciting times of the year for me here at the radio station, because tomorrow is our huge Pastors Appreciation Luncheon. And as much fun as the event itself is, for any of you that have ever done large events with lots of moving parts, you know that the day prior, eh, it's a little stressful. It's just a little stressful. And uh, so if my voice uh, just cracks and, and seems a little high, Gene uh, Lanary, our promotions and planning person here at the radio station, we're working hard. You know, actually, the whole team, everybody uh, in the radio station has had a hand in blessing the pastors tomorrow. We're going to have over 300 pastors in the room. We're literally figuring out ways we can put more tables in there. Dr. David Jeremiah is going to be our speaker. Pure Flix Digital is our sponsor, our primary sponsor, and we have... I don't know, maybe 25 ministries and organizations that are participating in the ministry fair, uh, the ministry expo. We stuffed bags, uh, you know, 300 bags with, I don't it's got to be, I don't know, a couple hundred dollars worth of stuff, uh, books and materials and and flash drives with more materials. It's just, it's been so much fun. But we're going to have a great show today on Koinonia. It is Tuesday as uh, time is marching on. Medskeens is going to fill in for me tomorrow as I am going to be otherwise detained with the pastor's luncheon. Med, uh, he and Rick and a lot of other men went to their Super Bowl uh, evangelism event that we talk about here every year. I'm just guessing that that might come up in Med's conversation tomorrow. Also, Saturday, April 16th, Hope Fest, Phoenix, Community Connection Service, Dental Care, Medical Care, Groceries, Haircuts, Clothing, Personal Care Items. We're going to need all kinds of volunteers, all kinds of materials, and of course, finances. For more information on ways to participate, go to cityserveaz.com forward slash Hope Fest. That's cityserveaz.com forward slash Hope Fest. And however you can help, we need your help. Last year, well over 20,000 people served at Chase Field. We're going to fill it up again this year. We could sure use your help. We're so excited to be partnering with CityServe Arizona. And Dr. David Jeremiah, I heard uh, or you heard me mention that he is our speaker for the pastors tomorrow. Well, he's coming back for everybody on March 3rd, Charles Billingsley is leading the worship and special musical guest, none other than Michael W. Smith, and also Dr. David Jeremiah, teaching on the Word of God, and it's called the Stand Up Tour. Here's the best part. It's free. It's absolutely, we're talking Michael W. Smith, Dr. David Jeremiah, and a worship service with over 10,000 people, and the tickets are free. But you have to get your tickets, right? You have to be registered. So what you need to do is go to davidjeremiah.org forward slash standup. That's davidjeremiah.org forward slash standup. And then join us. Michael W. Smith, Dr. David Jeremiah, Charles Billingley leading the worship 
it's going to be an incredible. Anytime you get that many people together just uh, for the sole purpose of praise and worship, uh, it's pretty powerful, right? It's really, really powerful. Risen the movie. I've, I've been talking about it. You guys have been responding. And in fact, I think I've got less than 10 tickets left. So if you want to uh, join me for an early screening of the movie Risen from Affirm Films on February 16th, you need to go online and click on Station Events on the Events tab at faithtalk1360.com. That's Station Events on the Events tab at faithtalk1360.com and join us for the Risen movie screening. Get to see it a few days early. We've got a great show for you today. You're listening to Koinonia. This is Faith Talk 1360, KPXQ. Now, I don't know if you've ever experienced this before, but uh, I met Mark and Christina Buckley 27, almost 28 years ago this summer, and he was interviewing me because I was doing mornings over at KRDS, a contemporary Christian music show, and uh, he just wanted to get uh, information. But what has happened over the years, God really has drawn us together. I've been going to Living Streams Church uh, for quite a while, different times, but uh, the most recent. And of course, most of you know that Mark Buckley also fills in for me once a month. The first Monday of the month is uh, allocated to Mark, and he also will uh, be uh, on call on occasion. But when your pastor comes to you and says, "I have," or texts you like late at night and says, "I have the perfect guest for you," I mean, how, you got to say yes, right? I mean, you know, he's a broadcasting guy; he fills in for me. He's my pastor. He says, "I have the perfect guest for you." So here we go, uh, Genevieve Skidmore. Welcome to Koinonia. How are you? Great. Thank you for having us. And I'm just, uh, I was delighted to hear from Mark on that because he never, he never strikes out. Every time he makes a recommendation for radio, it's always really, really good. And uh, John Mayer, I'm glad you're here as well. Thank you. We're going to have some fun conversa- uh, conversationally with uh, Naomi House, Native American Outreach Ministries. And uh, Genevieve, go ahead and give us just a you know a real quick overview of what we're going to learn about today. Uh, yes, thank you for having us. Uh, Naomi House is a children's home in northern Arizona for Native American children in need. They've been removed from their home for a lot of different reasons by the tribal social services, and they are placed with us on an emergency shelter basis. Mm. We have um, 12 emergency shelter placements and uh, as well as foster care license. So we always have a lot of children. Mm. Yeah. Uh, how long have you been involved with Naomi House? Um, I came out and met Linda in 2004, oh. and I have been there ever since. So, so it's been a long time. Was fir- uh, first uh, love at first sight kind of thing? or um, It was just leading God, uh, God leading me and me yeah. responding a little bit at a time saying, okay, I'll give you one year. <laughs> okay, I'll give you w- words, right? one more year. <laughs> oh, okay, so one more year, yeah. kind of like that. God is, you know, he knows what really is best. He created us, so he knows what's best for our hearts, right? Right. Uh, And let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, Genevieve, tell me your story. You're the executive director now at Naomi House, but 
uh, as you've already alluded to, this is God's calling in your life, but tell me your story. Okay, so um, I'm from South Dakota. My mom is enrolled in the Lakota Sioux Tribe on uh, the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation near Rapid City, South Dakota. Um, so I grew up in South Dakota, um, not on the reservation, but every statistic that you could think of that plagued Native Americans, um, that's my own testimony. Um, drug drug addiction, alcohol abuse. Um, I had my first son when I was 16. And really at the age of 20, I found myself completely and utterly hopeless. Mm. Um, you know, I was looking at our 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 informational packet that we have for Naomi House of the statistics that Native Americans go through. And it's just my own personal um, experience, you know, the domestic violence, the um, right now the epidemic is suicide and just the utter hopelessness, you know. And uh, in 2000, I decided to come to Phoenix uh, from South Dakota and me and some friends just came on a road trip, me and Two or three girlfriends. Summer or winter? I have to ask that question. It was a spring. Oh, see, yeah, I did. I made the same mistake. Came in April and. Yes, exactly, because I moved in July. <laughs> and <laughs> so, yeah. you know. Yeah, so we came out here because we just kind of picked a place on the map, to be honest. My dad was going to a, a alcohol rehab uh, here in Phoenix location, and my mom was going to college in, on the reservation. And we just came out here to to have a good time, mm. and uh, so we we literally came here just just to party, and we were here for like a week, and we did just that. And I came to Phoenix um, that you know that spring, and I knew I, I there was something about Phoenix. I mean, I loved it, of course. You know, coming from South Dakota was very. We left in a snowstorm, and here we were in, <laughs> in March, and it was beautiful, right? right. And I knew, I, uh, you know, I wanted to come back. And so uh, several months later, I packed up my tiny little belongings and my four-year-old. And I moved to a studio apartment uh, here in Phoenix. And I was still just partying. I was still um, just heavily hooked on alcohol and completely felt, I don't know how to describe it, just worthless like um, God could never, ever accept me back because my mom, she drug us to church growing up. <laughs> People say they don't have a drug problem, but my mom drug me to church, right? <laughs> and I didn't want nothing to do with God. I didn't want nothing to do with church. I didn't want anything to do with this Jesus that my mom, you know, just took us around it all the time. And she prayed for me growing up, for me and my two sisters. Uh, she prayed that scripture in Isaiah that says, my, my daughters will be taught of the Lord and the well-being of my daughters shall be great. She would speak these things over our life. She would speak Psalm 91 over us, you know, driving to school. And uh, she prayed for me hard and she, and, and I was running hard, me and, you know, my younger sister too. And so here I am in Phoenix and completely had come to the end of my, uh, just any hope, you know, I felt worthless. I felt that God could never use me, that I, I could never be accepted by him, that I could never be loved by him. I really, wanted to give up and I was only 20, you know? Mm. And so here I am living in Phoenix and I had my little 18 year old sister move out here with me or I would be on the street because I had nobody. I had no family. I had no hope. I had, it was pretty bad. And so here comes my little sister to help me and as a single mom with my son and she had her own struggles of addiction and it just was a, a real big mess. And she was working, um, just down to, you know, on Central and Camelback and she met somebody and, you know, she, I was like, well, what does he do? You know, cause I'm thinking, you know, cause we need help to, you know, eat. Right. <laughs> and he, she said, he's a, he's a youth pastor. 
And I said, what? <laughs> I said, oh, okay, <laughs> whatever, you know. And um, I said, that's wild. And she's like, no, no, you have to meet him. You have to come to church to, and see this this guy. And really, that is the only reason that we rolled up on, on church that morning. And it was um, in on McDowell. And we, we came into the parking lot. You know, everybody's shaking your hand and everybody's, praise God, thank you, Jesus, parking your car. And I, I'm pretty sure I was probably hungover. And I was like, it is way too early for all this happiness. You know, like, I, I need to get up out of here. And it it was this awesome gospel church, you know, predominantly black congregation. And so you could hear the gospel music coming out of the front of the church and into the parking lot. And what I now know to be the power of the Holy Spirit and the anointing of God and the presence of God. And I had been running from him my whole life. And I, and he just, he, I had this encounter in that parking lot. Literally, I was crying and I hadn't even gotten into the front door yet. The conviction of the Holy Ghost. I don't know if you know how it is to be at church for the first time in a long time, (laughs) but that is how it was. Like either I got to run because I'm about to get dealt with today. And they were, you know, seating us. So we couldn't even have ran if we wanted to, because you know how they seat you, the ushers, they put you in that seat (laughs) and they push you together. And they're like, um, you know, even if I wanted to, I couldn't get out of there. And I'm just sitting there weeping. And so is my sister. And the presence of God is just all over the place. And, you know, that pastor preached a message. And for the first time in my life, it actually made sense what he was saying. He he was talking about the Bible. And for the first time, it was like I understood what he was talking about. And it was making sense. And then they did an altar call. And I ran up there. I mean, I ran up there like you need to get up out of my way because I'm going straight to that altar. And I look back and my sister's still sitting there crying. I'm like, girl, we're about to get saved. You need to get up here now. We're going to go get saved right now. And so she's, you know, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. I'm going to go get saved. Hold on. And so we go up there. I gave my life to Jesus. And very, very soon afterwards, I was baptized in the Holy Ghost. And I am so glad that nobody told me that I couldn't be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Or I I knew I needed everything that I could get. And I was water baptized. I I went into Bible school for for two years, and I knew that I had found what I had been searching for my whole life, that I wanted to give him the rest of my life, and and I wanted to serve him. And I told him, you know, what do you want me to do? You know, I know that it's Native American ministry. I just didn't have any idea what that meant or what that looked like. And so I Googled Native American ministry in Arizona, and Naomi House came up. And uh, that was in 2004. And I went all the way out there past Flagstaff and just kept going and going and going. I thought, let me do this for this weekend and get out out of here, you know, because this is out here. And I sat in front of Linda and I said, I don't know why I'm here, but here's my story. I'm from South Dakota and she has a heart for the Lakota Sioux because uh, the reservation there is, is even worse, you know, statistically. And she said, well, maybe God just sent you here to encourage you to go to South Dakota. Do it, girl. Do something for God in South Dakota. And I thought, yeah, maybe. I thought, well, let me clean something while I'm here, and then I'm going to go back home, you know, because I got a great church, great, uh, you know, God had blessed me. He gave me a job I did not deserve. I was making, you know, a living. I I had Starbucks on every corner. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) And so... Um, and then I stayed the night there and we were heading out to the reservation for church the next morning with nine kids and we're driving out there. And she said, I had a dream and I could tell you the dream to this day, but she goes, God spoke to me. She goes, I think you're supposed to come here and learn how to run Naomi house so that you can take it back to South Dakota. 
And I had known her for 24 hours, you know. Wow. And I looked at her and I said, nope. I, That's not it. You missed it. <laughs> <laughs> That's not. I don't know what you're hearing. I don't, yeah, yeah. I thought, nope. And um, so I spent the weekend. I came back to Phoenix for, for about two months to wrap up some stuff here. And I just knew. I knew God was calling me just to step out in faith. What else was I going to do? He literally, it was like on the road to Damascus for Saul. And the scales came off of my eyes. And it really wouldn't have mattered what he asked me to do. He knew I was going to do it, you know. And so I, I, I t- I'm driving out to northern arizona as a as a missionary which i never really thought in a million years that that would happen and i'm telling god i will give you one year you know and so uh, in 2014 our founding director uh, ended up uh, retiring and uh, they asked me to take over as executive director and just this year my grandmother gave me 600 acres of tribal land in south dakota for this purpose and that word that she spoke 11 years ago Mm. is coming to pass now. And I've come to this place in my life where I said, you know, if you're calling me to be an advocate, if you're calling me to be a voice for these children that do not have a voice, then I'll, I'll do it. Wow. I'll go. Boy, that is, uh, I, you know, who knew Damascus Road, Damascus Road was right here in Phoenix? It's, and, it's right here. You know, but it is. <laughs> and uh, we're going to continue the conversation. We're going to find out about Naomi House and, uh, how you can be a blessing as well as God has obviously called Genevieve right to our hearts and right to the hearts of these children that you can learn about next. This is Koinonia. You're listening to Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Energized. I'm excited. All right, Genevieve, thank you. Uh, John, you uh, are currently the president of the board at Naomi House, Native American Outreach Ministries. You were there when uh, this tornado came blowing through. Amen. <laughs> what, were, what, what were your thoughts? One year, you know, she's going to give it one year. I had no doubt. Been going to Naomi for 18 years as a short term missionary. Uh huh. And uh, people sometimes ask me why I go down there. Do you think you have to ask me? Oh, boy. Huh? <laughs> it's pretty good. I kind of call myself a missionary junkie because I get to hang around <laughs> people like Genevieve. <laughs> well, see, and that's, I I say I tell people I have one of the best jobs in the world. I get to sit here and put a mm. microphone in, pl- in front yeah. of somebody that God's called for with yeah. a plan and a purpose. Well, I believe that if you want to grow close to God, you want to experience God. Amen. And when you're hanging around people like Genevieve and the founder, Linda Thompson, and uh, the other people that work there, yeah, you grow closer to God because you see him working right there through these folks. And it's an incredible experience. So it all comes through those short-term mission trips. It really does. There's a lot. There's, there, there's no lack for opportunity to serve. Yeah, the body of Christ. I'd love for her to tell you about some of those trips. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what Naomi House does? And uh, obviously, uh, we're looking for opportunities for 
people to serve as well. But tell us uh, what Naomi House does. So the primary objective of Naomi House is to provide uh, an emergency shelter for Native American children in need. Um, practical care, you know, we feed, they live there 24-7. So we have amazing house parents that live there around the clock. Um, I, you know, I did that for a season, and, um, you know, we have great staff. Um, but we provide, you know, food, clothing, access to medical, dental, mental health uh, services. They go to school right there, um, you know, near our home. Um, and recreational activities, everything you would do with your family times a lot because there's a lot of of kids. Um, And, of course, Naomi House is faith-based and Christ-centered, so a lot of everything that we do is centered around prayer and uh, introducing Jesus Christ, uh, the the one that— uh, that will bring the ultimate healing and restoration. Um, you know, t- we do need to expand and have more room for more kids so that we're not turning them away. Um, however, I understand that success is restoration of the whole family, um, and I'm very, very, um, you know, passionate about that. In the meantime, these children really are born into a war zone. They really are born onto a battlefield of, you know, it's generational, it's cultural, it's spiritual. And so until we you know, can uh, assist in the family reunification and restoration. The the emergency aspect of it is vital. They need somewhere to go. And we're turning kids away all of the time, but introducing them to Jesus and um, prayer and, um, you know, just, just letting God have a opportunity to work in their life. And so one of the, the, you know, best things, one of the good things about Naomi House is where we're located because it is so important to keep them culturally connected and with a sense of pride in their identity and, and who God created them to be. And it's one of the most challenging aspects of Naomi House is our location because it is, it's remote, you know, it's past uh, Flagstaff. There's and nothing else out there. There's, you know, and so we're right next to the reservation and um, for the, the benefit of the children, it, it's wonderful. But, uh, uh, you know, it's it's quite challenging to be kind of you know remote, uh, but that's what we do around the clock is provide those kind of that kind of care. John, what do you see as some of the needs? Well, the first thing is it breaks the staff's heart. Just literally breaks their heart every time they turn a child away. That that's heavy, and so we do want to expand. And of course, expansion takes money, mm-hmm. takes more staff. So we need more staff. We need more outreach for staff. We need more uh, support administratively to you know because you got more staff, you got more administration, you got more outreach, and so that that's where our heart is right now is to uh, increase the financial base and uh, get short more people in. That a lot of our staff come from short term mission people. And don't you know? let that scare you away. If God's calling you, you can't run fast enough to get away anyway, right? right. That's exactly right. And yeah. and my prayer in this season has been, honestly, I've just um, been asking God, your kingdom come, your will be done mm-hmm. on earth in this area of influence that you've given me authority on earth as it is in heaven. And so we're praying for his blueprints, his heart, his vision. And then we're going to go and agree with that, you know. And so he's establishing his kingdom right there in northern Arizona through the Native American people. There is a, a Native American people that are arising uh, to to take their strategic place in the body of Christ. And it and it's happening. Revival is happening um, amongst the people, and it's really, really awesome. Um, but, yeah. 
Genevieve Skidmore is the executive director of Naomi House Native American Outreach Ministries. John Meyer is the president of the board. They're both down here in the valley, and I'm delighted to have them here on Koinonia. Uh, we've heard your story. Uh, I'm guessing you have a few other stories of uh, lives impacted by Naomi House, maybe uh, that either one of you would like to share. Uh, well, we thought about that, you know, and what stories that we could share and some things that, that um, maybe we couldn't. I I guess what I can say is that every child that comes through the doors is introduced to Jesus. And uh, there's a lot of people that I meet that, you know, are older now that said that they they met Jesus as a little child in VBS, you know, or in right. vacation Bible school, Sunday school. Um, and this, I know, uh, will change the rest of the course of their life. You know, just being introduced to that, seeing Jesus, you know, in a family, you know, in a family setting um, is is just so vitally important. You know, and I've heard people talk about the kids get to know Jesus while they're at Naomi. And then some of these kids go back home. In fact, most of them go back home at some point. Mm-hmm. They're taking Jesus with mm-hmm. them. Right. You know, so they're they're little evangelists. Absolutely. Right. And uh, as you said earlier, the family is where the restoration really needs to happen in That's a lot it. of these areas as well. That's yeah. it. The the uh, Naomi staff never realized just how much they minister to the people that go there. As a, as a person who's been on over 18 mission trips to Naomi, I can tell you that Naomi and the staff have been a big part of my walk, my mm. Christian walk. So, yeah, the main purpose is taking care of these kids. But they're evangelizing people. I, I can tell you about people who went down there for one trip that were in the corporate world, husband and wife. In fact, they went there instead of going on a trip to Hawaii for their for their uh, anniversary. They uh-huh. went to Naomi instead. They went home and quit their day jobs. They're wow. in ministry now. So it changes lives just doing this. Yeah. Something that's awesome that um, God has opened up the house next door to come up for sale and we're able to expand right there at our current location and with the nine acres that we would get there we can build two homes right there on that property and it really opens up about uh, 50, to serve about 50 children but can I share a scripture Please. in Proverbs chapter 24 verse 3 and 4 this is what the Lord showed me uh, just about uh, expanding and building uh, obtaining more space for kids it says through wisdom is a house built and by understanding it is established and by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches and that word chambers it means bedrooms you know and so when I think about Mm -hmm. bedrooms and he wants to fill it with things that are precious and things that are uh, pleasant and that word precious it means costly rare highly valuable um, expensive that is the way that God sees these children and that he needs to fill it with uh, these precious ones that this is the heart of God, you know, the, these, the, the children, you know, and that word pleasant, uh, you know, in the book of Ruth, it means Naomi. Mm. You know, if you look up Naomi, it means pleasant. And I thought, well, you know what, God, you go ahead, you go ahead. And um, he, and so that, that has come up available. And as it does, um, you know, we are going to need house parents. And I wanted to put that out there today um, that, you know, if God's called you, you know, it's going to be a step of faith, but I want to encourage you, you know, and, and contact us, let us know if God's put it on your heart. You can always come and visit, you know, um, and see uh, how the Lord leads you. In fact, uh, why don't you let people know how they can contact you? Because whether they're 
inspired today to maybe take a mission trip or to right. make a visitation or uh, to make a donation. Maybe there's uh, a gift in kind. There's probably lots of other things that you need on a daily basis as well. And uh, my experience is that, you know, no gift gets turned away and God's math Right. makes all things multiply. So, uh, Man. Um, I'll give the website, mm-hmm. www.thenaomihouse.org. Um You can look us up on Facebook under Naomi, N-A-O-M-I. Um, you can call 928-587-5737. Those are just some ways that you can connect with us um, in any way. Genevieve, we've got two minutes left, and I just want to give that time to you just as a, uh, so that you can once again, however the Holy Spirit leads you to speak uh, to those that might be listening, that might be sitting on the fence saying, gosh, I don't know, that sounds like it was good for her, but I, no, I, I, I'm too afraid. Mm-hmm. Well, I will share a scripture um, in Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. It says, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land. Another version says to advocate for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. The bottom line is that in order for God to establish his kingdom in the earth, he has to work with people. Mm. (laughs) He has to work with man. It's a law that he set up in Genesis that he cannot go around, that we have to work with God and we can't do anything without him. And he actually needs us to be in agreement to work with him to establish his plans in the earth. So look at how important you are. And no wonder the enemy tries to come at us the way that that he does is because he even knows how valuable that we are and important and God has to work through man. And so in order for him to do that, he's got to work through you and he's got to work through me. Mm-hmm. Somebody say amen. amen. Right. And second Corinthians five twenty says that we are ambassadors. We are representatives of another kingdom. This is not my home, right? That I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. And so in order for God to be able to do what he wants to do, what's on his heart, what's on his mind, what's on his calendar, that's that's what I'm, I want to know, you right. know, because often we, we make plans when we say, come on, God, I need you to bless this right, right. now because look, I'm, look what I'm doing look for you. Look how awesome this yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. And so we're just finding what is your heart? What do you want to do? And then, you know what? I'm just going to agree with you and watch you do the work. Genevieve Skidmore, Executive Director of Naomi House, Native American Outreach Ministries. You can find them online, thenaomihouse.org, thenaomihouse.org. Dot O-R-G. And uh, if you'd like some energy in uh, your group and you would like her to come speak about Naomi House, I'm guessing she'll do it. And uh, she'll do it with energy. Uh, Genevieve, John, thank you so much for being with us today. You're welcome. I'll thank you for you. having us. Again, one more time. It is online, thenaomihouse.org. That's thenaomihouse.org. Blessings to you. As we're wont to do on uh, our last segment on Tuesdays, Alliance Defending Freedom. And uh, most of the time, it will be uh, Mr. Bob. And I, I just have to say, I'm going to embarrass you here on the air. I thought you were an Iron Man. I thought, why, why aren't you riding your bicycle 
you know, 20 miles to get here to the studio? Because uh, I'm an old man. <laughs> I'm an old Iron Man. That's, <laughs> that's why. And that's only once or twice a year, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Plus, it's uh, already hot here. How's that possible? It's still February, right? At least I'm checking for him. Well, but, it uh, seems like every once a, year, once a year, every winter, we get a couple of weeks that remind us that we live in a desert. Right. Right in the middle yeah. of winter. But Isn't that I true? think it'll cool down. It always cooled down right before my grandmother's birthday in April again. So we, I think we've got a couple more cold snaps coming I, our way. I'm sure we do, and my wife is chagrined about that. Uh, so many things to talk about. Alliance Defending Freedom is literally walk, uh, working around the country, around the world, uh, on our behalf as uh, faith-based uh, people. Uh, one of the things that... It, I, I, I'm, I'm, and after the Super Bowl, we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. But uh, non-discrimination, uh, non-discrimination laws and ordinances and 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 things like that. We, you know, we had the sign case of the church over in Gilbert, and there was just different rules because, at least as the far as the city of Gilbert was concerned, they said, okay, since you're a church. Uh, you can't have a sign out, and it has to be this small, and you have to go pick it up, and but that rule didn't apply to everybody. They just selectively applied it to that church. And that's, you know, it, it, that's not right. That's not fair. That's not legal. Well, in the, our our case, Pastor Reed was, uh, you know, a 70-year-old pastor who was forced to uh, go out on the evening before, sometimes as late as 11 o'clock at night, to post his church signs out on the corners throughout Gilbert, and then immediately following service the next morning, go out and pick those signs up, because you're right, the town of Gilbert did specify that church signs had to play by different rules than everybody else's. And the Supreme Court, of course, ruled unanimously uh, just this last summer that that can't happen. And that's a case that will have repercussions across uh, in four churches uh, across the United States for years to come. It's a, it's a great precedent that says you can't treat somebody different just because they're Christian or just because they have beliefs or are a church. So it, uh, it, it was a great victory for free speech. Uh, however, that was more a, a free speech application as, as opposed to, say, a non-discrimination policy or a non-discrimination ordinance. And it's, you know, the, the result quite often is the same in, in which there is a one-way uh, transfer of tolerance uh, so Christians are being asked to provide tolerance, or one group of people is being asked to provide tolerance, and yet none is extended in the opposite direction. And quite often, that lack of tolerance is enforced with the backing of the government in the form of either a non-discrimination law or ordinance. Uh, we have them here in Arizona. We, In fact, most most counties, most municipalities, most states have them. And the problem is... is that quite often they're used to, under the guise of civil rights or equal treatment for everybody, they're used to elevate a new set of special rights at the expense you know, of a few at the expense of the constitutional freedoms of everybody else. And we have some very specific examples of, you know, a, a, a floral art, a floral artist, artist in Washington State, Baronelle Stutzman, who has a client that she serves for years. And when he comes to her uh, and asks for flowers that he's going to give to his partner, she has no problem doing that. She's using her abilities to create arrangements for him. She knows the purpose. She has no problem with that. However, 
when he came and asked her to participate and help him celebrate a same-sex ceremony, that goes directly against her core beliefs. And she said, I cannot participate in something that's going to make me violate my core beliefs. So she declined to participate in the event. She'd served that customer for years. Yet under Washington's non-discrimination law, uh, she was sued both personally uh, and uh, in, in her business um, and found guilty of discrimination against him uh, because she was not willing to comply with the government's idea of what marriage is, of one man and one woman, or and it can be applied in a variety of ways, but in this case it was that. Um, so she was being asked to extend tolerance, but was extended none herself. And that's what we're seeing quite often with these non-discrimination laws. And it really is, and in her case, she said, and I would still, you know, uh, serve anything. It, it had nothing to do with him, and it's just that one event. Uh, you know, tolerance, uh, kind of a one-way street, is uh, kind of where this comes from, right? It it, it really is. It's, it's a, you know, a, again, usually a small group of people who – uh, are, are have their rights elevated above others, and of course that comes at the expense of the freedoms of others. So, and and quite often it comes with the backing of a government agency or an administrative body. And and that quite often is it's quite alarming. In that in the in the case of a, a baker in Colorado or a couple that run a wedding event facility at their farm, they live on their farm. Um, you have these administrative bodies who. Um, are not judges. There's there's no legal court. There there are no lawyers. Um, in, in you know, in quite often in their in their meetings, and they are deciding uh, whether these people are guilty. And it, it can take months or years for those cases to wind through that administrative uh, setting. And 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 quite often, the judgment we're finding is against our clients. Um, you know, and that's why they come to us. And they're found guilty of running afoul of these non-discrimination laws uh, for declining to participate in uh, a ceremony, events, or refusing to say something that they don't believe. And as a result, they're found guilty of discrimination. Um, they're, you know, in the case of the Colorado baker or uh, the family in uh, New York, they're asked to begin re-education training uh, edu- uh, uh, programs in their businesses. And, of course, their businesses are made up of their children and their family. Right. Uh, so they're being told that they have to re-educate their family um, to align with uh, a more tolerant view of all. Um, when, in fact, they've never been intolerant. They simply say that in this one instance we need to decline because we can't help celebrate something that, that goes against our just her deeply held beliefs. Right. And, you know, somebody losing their business over this is just, is outrageous. Uh, it, is. it is. It is. Alliance Defending Freedom, ADF, one of the reasons it was founded was because no one was showing up when these cases would come up, when these topics would come up, when a, a school would say, no, you can't read your Bible uh, during recess. There was no recourse. Now ADF is there in a way that uh, I'm not even sure anybody, even Alan Sears and the, and the founders of ADF, would have imagined uh, as, as readily available across the country. Uh, if somebody feels like maybe they're having an issue or, or want to get advice, what can they do? Well, they can give us a call. Just go to adflegal.org and, and 
we have a section that says, do you need help? And they can submit their information online or give us a call. We have a legal intake team that's continually answering questions of folks as they, uh, as they call who, who believe that um, either the government is coercing them to give up their faith in order to continue their, their work uh, out, in the, out in the public or uh, if, you know, quite often we work on cases where uh, schools have decided unilaterally that there is no Christmas and you can't um, pray at school uh, or uh, you can't invite kids to a Christmas party or um, you can't express your faith in the public square or at school. Uh, we have a case of Brittany Morellas here in uh, Phoenix, Paradise Valley Community College. She was passing out copies of the Constitution <laughs> in, right. oh. in a free speech zone, and she was told that because she didn't have permission, she needed to uh, leave the area, uh, So, which we believe, and we filed suit. Um, you know, and she called us because she went to ADFlegal.org, but we filed suit on her behalf because there's no such, there can't be such a thing as a free speech zone in which you have to ask permission to participate. That is just unconstitutional <laughs> in its entirety. Um, and it's so, not like she was giving out the Book of John. This was the Constitution. <laughs> that was that was what was particularly interesting to me. Is yeah, they've they've, they've out... lost their minds. They just have. I, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little riled up. That particular case, it's the Constitution. What are you afraid of? That that somebody's going to find out that you're not really teaching what our country was founded on. All right, I'm off my soapbox. I'm sorry. Just. <laughs> Getting a little, uh, getting a little riled up there. Uh, last but not least, I'm probably going to have to turn in my man card. I didn't watch the Super Bowl. Oh, Tom. I haven't seen. Well, I may have seen maybe one or two of the commercials that aired during it, but I have seen uh, because uh, you know my social media kind of blew up when uh, Doritos played their uh, uh, commercial. And NARAL lost their collective mind and said that they're – and this – I'm not making this up, people. They said they're humanizing the fetus. Um, it well, is a human, right? <laughs> well, that's that's always been their argument from day one uh, is that <clears throat> it's just a massive cells, all right? So it's okay if you kill it, you know, it, that, that you're not actually killing a baby. And, of course, they're reacting to the Doritos commercial so strongly because it does show uh, a couple, certainly their stereotypes of the kind of unconcerned man and the overconcerned <laughs> right. mom. It's not but, a great family, uh, yeah, but... You know, at, uh, at an ultrasound of a baby, and the baby reacts to the Dorito. Um, but it's a fully formed baby in the womb. And, of course, we know that that's the case from the time of inception. It is a life. It is a baby. Um, but uh, abortionists... Uh, you know, people who are for abortion, they, they are strongly against ultrasounds uh, because they know it affects the decision of a mother who sees it. You know, it, the more ultrasounds have been put into practice, the more and more people realize that that is a baby. You can see it. You can see it move its hands. You can see its heart beating. It is a life. You know, it, it's interesting. NARAL in particular was founded by a guy named Bernard Nathanson. Uh, he was an abortionist. He ran the largest abortion facility in the world, and is this is in the late 60s, early 70s, and his ultrasounds came into practice, and he witnessed and saw abortions taking place and saw the babies that were, that were being killed. He renounced his practice. He became pro-life and became a pro-life activist. Mm. Um, that is the effect that we know uh, can have on any frame of mind, is, is that these are children. 
and, uh, and our opposition is continually trying to reduce them to either a clump of cells or, or something that can be sold for research or for whatever practice you want. And, and it's not. We know that they are alive and that they deserve to be protected. Bob Trent from Alliance Defending Freedom. Find out more. Get all kinds of information to help your ministry and to stay abreast of these issues. ADFlegal.org. That's ADFlegal.org. Bob, thanks for your time today. Thanks for having me. Literally just a few tickets left for the screening of Risen. I checked it uh, right at the beginning of the break, and uh, we're under a handful now. So you can go to faithtalk1360.com, click on events and special events, the Risen registration. you got to get your tickets ahead, and you got to go early. I'm telling you, a lot of people are wanting to, uh, to see this, and it's kind of first come, first serve. But you can actually see the movie Risen several days before it opens to the general public. And But the, here's the bottom line. I want your input. I want your feedback. I want to know what you think of the movie. Uh, we're going to get to see it together. I haven't seen this one. So uh, we'll watch it together, and then uh, we'll find out if we're going to get behind it and how big we're going to get behind it and that kind of thing. All right. Uh, like I said, I'll be out tomorrow. Med Skeens is going to be here. I will be loving on your pastor if he's uh, joining us at the Pastor's Appreciation Luncheon. We've got all kinds of giveaways, Dr. David Jeremiah. Um, Like I said, just a lot of fun that we're going to be having tomorrow. And then I'll be back in here with hope and a future on Thursday. Let's close with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us an opportunity to know you. You are the creator of all that is, was, and ever will be. And the fact that you would want to have a relationship with us is pretty amazing. What a great testimony from Genevieve, Lord, that is an inspiration and a reminder that you have created each and every one of us with a plan and a purpose. Sometimes we just have a hard time seeing it or Maybe we don't believe that it is what you want for us, but you made us. Lord, I pray that we will give way to that, that we'll answer the call that you've placed in our hearts. Lord, I ask that you bless Mary, give her a great day, show her just how much you love and care for her, make her influential with those that she's with, that they will know you because of her presence. In thy heavenly name I pray, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Have a terrific Tuesday. Medskeens tomorrow. Michael Brewer and Hope in the Future on Thursday. Blessings. Blessings.